Welcome back to Winning with Connections, the WWC Global Podcast. Today, we have the great pleasure of talking to Leah Hermiller of DNG Support Services. This is a great story in that Leah reached out to me via LinkedIn and asked for some mentorship as a woman-owned firm who is emerging into the 8A space after having done some really great competitive work and really positioning themselves in the competitive environment with both best-in-class vehicles and some other contract awards. She has just recently gotten 8A status. So we talked a little bit on this podcast about the best-in-class vehicles and how to leverage them, as well as how to leverage 8A status, particularly as a firm that is more established and more kind of available for current customers and breaking into new markets. So welcome to Leah, and we hope that you enjoy the podcast. Leah, it is great to meet you. We're trying a new thing here, and we're recording from the outset to really hear some of the early stage conversations that we tend to have with businesses that are looking for guidance or mentorship while we're having those conversations with them instead of trying to recreate them after the fact. So Leah, it is great to have you here. Thank you so much for reaching out. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, I am as well, Lauren. So tell me, you reached out to me through LinkedIn and you have taken over a family business that is doing government contracting. You're you're extremely well positioned from everything I can see with your best-in-class vehicles and some of the best past performance that you have, but you've stepped into a new role in this organization now. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Prior to um, stepping in as CEO, I was the chief growth officer at DNG. Before that, I was working at DLA. And then in another life, as I like to say, I'm a recovering lawyer. <laughs> I was litigating down in the North Carolina um, Court of Appeals and Supreme Court. So um, a bit of a transition, although uh, I've been finding a lot of the skill sets are, are very comparable or, or more comparable than I anticipated. So that's kind of how the path I've taken to get to where I am now from a, from a high level. Sure. And tell me about DNG Support Services. Tell me about the company. Sure. Yeah. So we were started in um, 2007 by my dad, Mark Jones. He's an army vet, worked at CWMD for a while. And I would say for the better part of the first five to seven years, we probably grew up like a lot of companies grew up in the sense that Mark was on site trying to juggle everything. And, and I think it just takes a lot of effort and toil and hours to get, get something off the ground while you're working on site. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, he was finally able to pull it off the ground and pull himself off site. And back in 2019, we won two pretty sizable contracts at the Coast Guard, both single award, one a $55 million and one a $49.5 million BPA and IDIQ respectively. And both of those are doing a lot of requirements, analysis and acquisitions work. So I would say our, our bread and butter is definitely in the acquisition and logistics realm. Our other larger customer is DLA, but but of late we've been targeting some new customers growing up in those kind of vertical spaces I mentioned and recently won two two contracts with new customers, one at CISA and one at DOJ. So we are quickly growing, which is great. 
obviously going from 50 employees to 75 and beyond requires a lot of changes <laughs> that we're working to prepare for. Uh-huh. No, that is I, wh- where you guys are. So you, you went from one person, it sounds like to some, and then some to a lot very quickly when it slowly from one to multiple, Correct. which I think is fairly consistent with a lot of firms out there. They, they, they tend to do that. I, I talked to a lot of owners who are working in the business instead of on the business. And that becomes really hard to make that transition from, from working as a contractor and, and being a direct charge employee to being an owner and having employees, enough employees to, for you to pull out. But it sounds like you went from fairly small to a very large contract, almost in kind of one one big leap, or did you did you have a couple of, of pieces in between there? Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. So our timeline, um, the first part certainly, as I described earlier, was you know being on site with just a few folks. We then won a more sizable BPA at DLA that was about 18 million. That has subsequently, because it ended up exceeding its scope because we were doing so well, if I give ourselves a pat on the back, ended up being chopped up into some smaller task orders. So we still have those. I would say that was kind of the big first win for us that then catapulted us into our two larger wins at the Coast Guard. And then I've subsequently, you know, obviously transitioned us to some of our more recent wins at CISA and DOJ. That's amazing. I, I've got to tell you, I mean, again, we, we talked to a whole lot of, of firms and that that leap, that's huge. I mean, that's to win as a prime from a fairly small footprint to a very large contract, because what you're talking about are, are sizable kind of eye popping contracts. We we got our one of our first large contracts was a ten million dollar. I was really proud of that, you know. Years, yeah. but then it took us forever to get from that one to the next really large one, which is probably eight years more, where we were getting you know a million dollar, two million dollar contracts instead. To get that first large contract and then follow it up with another couple of large contracts, that's that's impressive. And then we were lucky. we were lucky uh someone's for one of them someone's prime ended up dropping out and as you obviously know you know relationships in this industry are everything and we we definitely are very intentional about the relationships we form so i won't i won't say that next win was all due to us Uh, i we were just in the right spot at the right time and had the right past performance yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out on that one. I I, I don't know if yet to call you out, but I'm still gonna call you out. That's not luck. It is absolutely there's all of this. There's part luck in everything you do, but capitalizing on that luck is is what a lot of firms aren't able to do, or even recognizing where that luck comes, or setting the stage to get lucky. So sure, there's a lot of luck that comes in every one of these things, but just as easily, you might not have capitalized on that luck or you wouldn't have been positioned for it without those relationships that you had. So that's pretty amazing. And then you Thank have you. a best-in-class vehicle as well in Oasis, right? We do. Yeah. So um, we were not on Oasis on the first iteration, but we did 
get on it through the last on-ramp back in, I guess it was now 2019. So we, we are on Oasis currently, although obviously I'm prepping for, for Big Mac or whatever name they choose to end up calling it. Right. And that is another driver of success, obviously, for you guys. Have you done well on, on Oasis so far? We have. I think at this point, we've won five or six task orders on it. I will say we we came out the gate swinging uh, for the first few months and then very quickly figured out that the second iteration did not operate like the first one, where if you bid, you had a chance. Um, we had, yeah, we had to get very strategic, very quick. And so thankfully we've been able to do that. And I would say since we made that shift, our win rate thus far is a hundred percent. So we got smart fast, but I will say we don't, we don't bid on a, I mean, on average, we probably bid on uh, one Oasis task order every, every three to four months. So we're pretty, pretty choosy. I don't know if that's the right path, but we are pretty choosy. I, you know what? I think there are multiple paths that work, but the, the paths that don't work are being too choosy to not bid on anything or yeah. not, being, not being positioned to bid on anything and really not taking advantage of it. I've seen some of the scattershot things work in terms of particularly on the last iteration of Oasis, right? Like there was with 40, 43, 42, somewhere in that range firms on the last iteration of Oasis versus well over 200 on this iteration, you're right. There was a very different, you know, win rate. You, there were a lot of bids that only had one bidder on the first version. We're not seeing that for sure. But I think on that first iteration, there were a whole lot of firms that just like, I, I mean, took like a machine gun approach and just hit, tried to hit as much as they possibly could and, and hit as many as they could. I think a lot of them had problems with execution. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things, at least from our perspective, that was really critical for us was we're not going to lose our execution and our reputation on execution in order to win more. So we've taken, I think, probably a little bit more, less of a kind of choosy approach than you have. We're going after at least a few at a time. And we built up a huge proposal shop to be able to do that. But we are, I was pretty happy with our win rate. I, we are not at 100% for sure. Well, we're probably too choosy. Like, uh, I think I think our next move, which I'd be super interested in hearing your thoughts are, are to build up our proposal shop. I mean, right now we got essentially four folks who are doing varied jobs on a day-to-day basis so no one's 100% dedicated to proposal so I mean part of it is we've gotten we've had to get strategic really fast and be choosy but another sub part of that is like we just don't have the bandwidth totally no absolutely it is it is difficult to figure out what the best approach is and I I sat down with a bunch of firms and in fact we're sitting down again with a bunch of firms on on a couple of other strategic goals that we have but I have found it is really, really helpful to sit down at each stage of your growth. We got really, really lucky when we were young in the 8A program to to get a couple of mentors, not formal mentors, although one of them was a formal mentor, but a bunch of, of informal mentors in the program and say, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? 
and we set a strategic path based on their really, really blunt assessment of not only what they did right, but particularly what they did wrong. Um, and we got really lucky with people who were very open in disclosing what they did right and, and what they did wrong, what they would do differently. So we're doing that again. You know, we did that. How do you leverage the 8A program? How do you come out of the 8A program successfully and had some of the similar conversations with those same firms as they had grown out of the program? And what did you do right? And what did you do wrong? And we set our path very clearly based on the lessons that they learned. And we had, you know, I actually found a slide the other day on my, I was cleaning off my, my desktop on my computer for the first time in probably six years. And <laughs> I found a slide that was from 16, 17 era. And it was, how do we grow out of size status? And the, the great part of it was we hit every one of the four or five points that I had on the slide higher than we expected and sooner than we expected but we hit every one of them correctly. That's great. That's got to be validating to see that on I the outset. I had no idea that we, I, I mean, I remember doing it once I saw it, but I was like, oh, we actually did this. All right. So <laughs> we did the same thing. You know, one of the things on that slide, by the way, was, you know, it was first come out with a, a fairly large, one big, large contract to grow us out. And I had said, I think over 50 million, we got our, our $200 million contract award. So that, that hit that marker and then some. And then it was, you know, two to three mid-size contracts between 20 and 40 million. And we hit well more than that within the first couple of years after that first large contract award, get the best in class vehicles, learn to leverage the best in class vehicles, which is really, really critical. Um, and then figure out how to do partnering, how to how to tackle the full and open and be out at a large enough size. You know, one of the things that we learned very, very early was or from a lot of these firms that we were talking to was specifically when you come out of a at the time, it was a 15 million dollar size standard now it's 16 and a half. But when you come out of that at 20, 25 million, you're still large, but you're not large. Mm-hmm. But come out at 50 million, you're getting larger, but it's still really, really tough. So we wanted to come out at least at 50 million, and we did, or we will. And, and then great. we needed to kind of figure that. But man, there's a lot of stuff that goes wrong in this, and this valley of death piece is is one of the things that we're we're managing to now, right? How do you come out and how do you start playing in this not small, not large space? And the vehicles are probably the most critical piece of that. And that's what we're leveraging. So that's why we've really beefed up our proposal shop and, and really tried to leverage the heck out of this our small business status through these vehicles for the time that we have it. And really, you know, we've gone after a couple more. We're going to go after a couple more before we fully grow out of size status so that we have those vehicles available to us. But then the kid, the critical piece is to leverage those vehicles because there's so many firms that'll never win a single award on this, right? 
Yeah. So you've done well. I mean, if you've gotten five or six, that's better than almost, I've got the statistics and I don't have them in front of me. We're over 10 now, I believe, because of the end of the year kind of pickups that we got the last few of them in September. But we're one of the winningest, both in terms of revenue and in terms of number of contract awards outside of the, the Super 8 days in particular. At six, you're probably pretty far up there as well, I think. Yeah, we're trying. We did not. So we, I'm like, you mentioned the 8A. I'm like, I'm going to raise my hand for help. <laughs> so we just got our 8A uh, about a month ago. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it's it's really exciting. I don't know if we necessarily took the intended approach in terms of grow up before you get 8A and then really leverage it. But that's what happened. So we're excited in the sense that, you know, we're already established company and now we have our 8A. But figuring out the 8A program is not necessarily an easy thing to do. I I thought sometimes I thought like, you know, reading through all the legal jargon that I would have to was difficult for the 8A program. There's not even I I can't even find like a blue book on this program. It's 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 not easy unless I'm unless I'm crazy, which is possible. (laughs) Crazy. You're and 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 truly it is. I I have counseled multiple firms to wait until they're ready to leverage it. So you are truly ready to leverage it. Um, you are you are further along than almost. You are further along even than than we were when we got our our eight A status, and we got it you know later than a lot of firms did. The biggest things I will tell you is don't be shy of leveraging it. I, I think our first year that we did 8A, I was like, we don't really need this 8A. It's just a crutch. Like, I mean, we fought <laughs> hey, and then I didn't use it because somehow I was too proud or, or, you know, we really, we were better than to need a program to help us. That's silly. Program is yeah. there for good reason. Program is there. And, you know, I had a conversation with a SOCOM small business advisor a couple of years ago. And he said, you know, I, I absolutely hate the 8A program. And I said, you know what? I do too. But here's the deal. It's the program of record, right? I follow the rules of the program and I leverage the rules of the program. If they change the rules of the program, I would happily change the way that we do business. But as of right, right now, this is the way that our customers can leverage the program effectively to get what they need. And it gives them a great opportunity to get to good, solid firms through a program that is there. So I kind of, you know, it took me a little while, took us a little while to not make apologies for leveraging the program that was there and really take advantage of it. But man, it is a phenomenal program to leverage once you learn how to do it. That's good to hear. We're definitely um, in the learning stage. <laughs> I will. I we, there's a bunch of podcasts that we've done on this in particular, and I'm I'm happy to kind of take you through it now, and also keep talking to you about it. But it really is the the great part of the 8A program is that you have the ability to do these direct awards, right? That allows for an easy button for when you have a bona fide need and the money that the government wants to spend on that bona fide need 
and they know that you are a good provider. So the great part of this is when you have those two pieces, the bona fide need, particularly if they know that they want you to fill that bona fide need and the funding for it, that third piece of the vehicle, the way to get to you becomes that staples easy button, you know, sitting on, on, on your desk to say, okay, this is the easy way to get to us under four and a half million dollars total award. And so it leverages you into new markets. It allows for a really, really quick turnaround on contract awards when you've got the relationship there, when you've got the, the need to do certain things that, that they want to do very quickly, particularly, you know, end of year funds is, is a great time to use the aid program. So as we are coming out of our 8A status over the next year or so for those direct awards, those are they're just the easy, easy, easy way to do things. And it is going to be uh, it, it's a hard it's a hard thing to lose for us. So if you learn to leverage that, it allows you to prove yourself in new markets. It allows yourself to get to customers that want you without having to go through the competitive process. And frankly, it allows for you to drop the acquisition timeline from, you know, between six to 18 months to, you know, less than sometimes less than six weeks, wow. sometimes less than six hours, <laughs> which I will never do again. We actually had one contract that came to us and I think we signed it within three to four hours of getting the demand signal. On wow, that's amazing. Yeah, don't do that. Don't ever do that because it was a writing it down now. Don't don't do less than six hours. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it is a way for them to get to a really good provider. There are plenty of eight days that are not. That's why I always counsel be ready. You know, you, you need to be more mature in the government contracting space before you get into the program so that you really can leverage and can be a good provider. Other thing that's great about the 8A program and the direct award process within the 8A program is you get to have conversations with the customers so they end up getting more of what they want. That's such a good point because, yeah, you're right. On a lot of these bids, it's like if you can't get to the customer you know, a year plus out in advance, it's really difficult to know exactly what they're looking for until you start putting people in place and then you start learning and it's, you're having to make shifts and yeah, your, your ROI when it just comes to straight up time is, is really, well, not great. Yeah. No, I mean, this, that's the great thing about the 8A program is you literally turn around and they can call you and say, okay, here's what we're thinking. How would you do this? And you go back and you go, okay, well, this is what I'm thinking. Is this what you're thinking? Do you think five people would be helpful here? Or do you think, you know, am I missing something? Are we, if we had five people and they go, no, you know, we really think that that's more like that one person can do these two roles. So we can probably do it with three people not five people because this person can do two roles and that person can do two roles. So you've, you've got it, you've got it structured this way and you can get to a much more effective, you know, model by having those conversations that you could not have under the competition and contracting act kind of rules for a, a non-direct award. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. We we obviously, having just gotten into the 8A program, I think it was honestly almost 30 days ago. We, oh we have not had those. Yeah, we've not had those conversations. So no, it's good to hear that that is one of the main benefits because we're still trying to wrap our arms around how to make use of it. And, and you're so right. It is it is weird. There's a little bit of a guilt trip when you get a day after you're already a little bit established. It feels like you're betraying all the processes and things that you've had to build out to win work. It, yeah, you're right. It's like you you end up wanting to hate it, even though you should love it. Yes. Take advantage of it. It is absolutely a great program. You don't want to become too dependent on it. But at the same time, it is good for the government as well, or can be very good for the government as well. It's not just a program of a hand up or a handout. It is truly a partnership with the government and the the provider to be able to do things well and give them what they need. And so, you know, get to know the program really, really well. Yes, as a lawyer, read all the regs, read all of the case law, read all of the, the stuff around it. But if you can learn to show contracting officers and customers how the program works, we literally had a one pager. And I think a lot of firms So it's certainly not our idea, nor are are we so smart as to to be the only one to do this. But I have seen a number of one-pagers that say, here's how to leverage the 8A program, right? Here are the steps you take. You, you You like what you see? Come back to us. And here's how you get to us if, if you want to contract with us. And so it literally walks them step by step through the offer letter process, they have to send the offer letter to the SBA, to your business development specialist in the SBA. Here's how long that process can and should take. Here's what you should expect from that. Once you get the letter back from the SBA, you can start negotiating directly with us. Here's what you can expect from that. Here's what you ask for. And, and it goes back and forth. But if you can be smart enough on that, you make it easy for them to, to choose to do the the direct award, again, that, that easy button becomes very easy for them to choose. Yeah, no, that makes sense. As you were saying that, I was envisioning uh, purchasing like DNG easy buttons to hand out, but... <laughs> easy button somewhere in my house right now. I will not lie. I mean, it, literally, I think of this, that stupid little Staples easy button, that big yeah. red, as whenever I am talking about this, it truly is, if you... It's, it's not a panacea, right? I've seen a whole lot of people turn around. And this is, again, why I would say specifically you want to be further along in your process rather than just a brand new firm or brand new to government contracting because I've seen a lot of firms turn around and go, hey, I'm an 8A. Where's my work? Right? Hand yeah. out. Where's my work? I'm an 8A. You should give me work because I'm an 8A. What it needs to be is there's work that is that I can do better than anyone else. I've helped you identify where the work is and where you know where you have a bona fide need and where you might have money, or they've identified it themselves or whatever. You want us to do that. And oh, by the way, this is the easy way to get to us. So it's that first two pieces are really, really hard. 
And the third piece is really hard when you're doing a competitive bid process and when you have to go through the whole acquisition cycle. But if you can get to the first two pieces and you have the 8A, that third piece becomes very easy. And that's the that's the part that the, the customers and frankly, that the 8A firms love. Yeah. How do you address the second part? I mean, obviously we have, you know, all of the normal suite of tools, but in terms of IDing a requirement that may not already be in the 8A program, is that something I guess I'm curious what your process is for that? So a couple of things. One way to do it is is almost what what we've kind of termed within our firm as organic growth, where it's not something that anyone has identified as a requirement or a need. Maybe the customer feels like it's something that they need to do at some point. Oftentimes it's, I'll use one of our customers now that we have an 8A direct award in the Pentagon with. We had an 8A direct award with one customer where we put in an RFI, they saw what we did, they went, wait, we want that, and they direct awarded it to us. Then another office down the hallway in the Pentagon went, wait a second, how did how did you get that? We want, and it was a it, you know, it was a dashboard. We want to do something like that. And they came back to us and said, hey, this isn't something that we had ever put on an acquisition forecast, right? This isn't something that we've identified as a need previously, but it's well within kind of the budget dust kind of arena for them. It is a true bona fide need, but it's not an acquisition forecast. And so either we start talking to them, they see what we've done before, and they and they turn it into a requirement, find the money, and then turn around and do the direct award. That's one mechanism. Another mechanism that we've employed and to, to decent effect, although I think the organic one is, is our most effective, it's usually based on a relationship that we already have where, you know, one of our current customers moves to another command and says, wait a second, I need you to do this. Can you do it? And can you do it as a direct award so I don't have to go through the acquisition process, the, the full blown acquisition process? But another way that we've done it and gotten into new commands and particularly through some of the, the best in class RFIs that we see coming out and what have you, but even elsewhere on, on RFIs is by putting in an RFI and saying, hey, this looks like it's fairly small, right? It's two million, it's three million, it's four million, but it's under that four and a half million dollar threshold. Have you thought about doing a direct award? Okay. You have the ability to do that. And so, you know, one of our early 8A contracts that we still have, I think we're on the second iteration coming up on potentially even the third of, of that kind of follow-on work was because we put in an RFI response to a brand new command that we knew nothing about. We had no connection to but had done very similar work in, in various other agencies, put in an RFI response. They said, hey, we'd like, I want to say they had 10 different firms come in and do a, a kind of in-person pitch. This is obviously well pre-COVID. And we did the pitch. We were the last ones there. And we were able to kind of convince them, hey, wait a second, you know, here's what we've done. I pulled out some documents for strategic planning, strategic planning contract, pulled out some of the documents that we had done for a totally different customer 
on a strategic plan and some of the communications around that strategic plan. And, you know, we kind of saw them like elbowing each other and going, did you see this? Did you see this? So at the end of the, the conversation, they said, do you have any questions? And, and my response was, yeah, have you thought about direct awarding this? Yeah. To their credit, the contracting officer looked up. She goes, not until right now. And then <laughs> from them and, and they were like, you know, we're going to direct award it to you. That had an incumbent that was an 8A contractor in that role. They turned around and direct awarded it to us instead of that contractor who they could have just as easily continued to direct award it to because we were able to convince them that we were better. And again, that's a great thing about the 8A program, right? Because I just walked myself into a new agency that now has turned into, I think we've got three or four contracts in that agency outside of this first one. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. I would say, yeah, the, the second method you mentioned is probably the one we're most accustomed to just simply because it aligns with our current strategy, not having had this socioeconomic designation previously. The first one in terms of organic growth, like that is something that we're going to have to come up to speed on very quickly. It's not something we're accustomed to doing. And candidly, I think probably a hangover from my legal background where I was not allowed to do say, quote unquote, you know, your typical sales um, when it comes to legal work. It feels a little salesy to me, but it, it seems like it's, well, one, I need to get over that. And two, it seems like you almost have to have the right type of personality who can go in there and really explain that, you know, whatever, I guess, whatever skill set or, or service that we're trying to offer in, in such a way that it comes across not in a sales method. Or, or maybe I'm being too sensitive to that. Um, no, no, no. Curious, curious what you think. You're not being too sensitive at all. It is... I can't do sales the salesy, like I I feel the same way that you do. And that's not what you if you leave them with a taste that you are that you have your hand out looking for a contract, that's probably the worst thing that you could do. Plenty of firms do that, plenty of large firms that do that, uh, and have a reputation for doing that. That's not what you're looking to do here. You're looking to take the relationships that you have, oftentimes really figure out what their needs are be there and able to serve their needs without a contract sometimes you know hey what are you struggling with have you thought about doing this instead here i can show you what we did before you know leave behind here's the strategic plan we did for this customer over here you might want to take a look at this and and incorporate some of that so that when they actually want to do it again they turn around and go hey wait a second you know that that dng support services firm they actually, they've done this before and they gave us something that, that really did help us kind of in the initial planning stages, but it's much more organic. It's much more partnership feeling rather than salesy feeling. If, if you feel like you're going into somewhere that you don't have a relationship, it, it's harder. It's much harder. Sometimes at that point, oftentimes who you're talking to is different um, and it, it can work. I mean, there are some small business offices that have turned to us at the end of the fiscal year and said, hey, wait a second, you're a small aid, you know, you're an 8A, you could do this work. And that was a little bit more salesy. But even then, we're really, really, really careful not to leave that salesy taste in, taste in anyone's mouth. 
it's just not how I'm built. It's not how my sales team is, or, you know, my BD team is not a sales team. It's a, it's a solutions team. It's a like relationship team. And, you know, with you being in a bunch of different areas, people move around the government. What the easiest way to do this is to take that relationship that you have with someone at CISA, for example, and if they move over to, you know, somewhere else within the department, or if they move over to DOD instead, um, then they can they can take you and say, wait a second, I need what you did here for me over there. Does that mean so? So it's it's not salesy. You can, if you're salesy, you're gonna get a reputation. They're not gonna want you, and it you, you become kind of this pariah who's like walking the building, and they they're ducking to to stay away. Yeah, from they it. run. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it with the big firms in particular. There, there are some of the the kind of management consulting firms out there that have an absolute reputation for, oh, you wanted an actual end of uh, end of project report? That'll be an extra hundred thousand dollars, right? You don't ever want to be that. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. The only models I'm aware of are the models that you just referenced. So. Um, it's good to hear there's another model out there to follow. And I, I, it does make sense to start with the relationships you've already developed and the solutions that we've already developed and see where we can take it from there. It almost seems like that needs to be a pretty significant part of our strategic plan, specifically when it comes to 8A growth versus yep. kind of the way we've been operating, which is to to bid. And to build out that pipeline, but it seems like once you get 8A, which we obviously have now, that a big portion of what we need to focus on is organic growth. Yeah, yeah, it it's a totally different approach, and you have to have all of the. You know, we talk in the company about three different approaches to BD: organic, which is that total relationship-driven kind of. There, they know they want you. And it gets put out and you've shaped it so much that it that is really yours to lose, even if you don't have a direct award capacity, although the direct award capacity makes the organic dramatically easier. <laughs> and then the all the way to the kind of traditional BD capture model that the large businesses talk about that that when you're learning about GovCon, that's what people say it looks like. And that is something that most small businesses will never get to fully. You're there particularly because you've got OASS and because you've been able to do this a couple of times free getting a best-in-class vehicle. And that's really hard, right? It's really competitive. Your pricing has to be really spot on. Your proposal team has to be really, really good. It doesn't have to be in that organic phase. And then one of the other things that we talk a lot about in our company is the emerging. And that's where, particularly in best-in-class vehicles realm, there are things that nobody knew were coming, or maybe they knew for a week or two, or maybe it drops with literally no notice. And you can do enough research and do enough good proposal writing and that's not where you're playing from from what you've said about the way that you're going after your best in class vehicle proposal writing. You're going after the ones where you're fully doing 
good capture, you know what's going on. We're also doing that emerging portion of it where it's Mm -hmm. nobody seems to have a lock on this one. There's nothing in here that makes it look like it's shaped for anyone. We can do this just as well as anyone else, or we have an option to get the right team in place very, very quickly because nobody was expecting this to come out. So we're going to make this an emerging opportunity where we've got as good a shot as anyone and we've got a better shot because we have A, B, C, and D. Yeah. I We have done that recently when it came to end of year spending. We were willing to take a chance on it. I, I think we were not successful doing that when we first got on Oasis. I think it was probably due to some other reasons, you know, in terms of we hadn't had a... We needed another body. So we hired someone who's just really catapulted our growth. We needed we needed some additional resources. So I think that once we have finalized building out that process, we'll probably transition back to that a little bit. I will say initially it was burning us out and we were losing uh-huh. and it became really defeating. Well, look, it's hard. It's you have to build the right thing to be able to do that. And so if you do it without all of the structure behind it, it is defeating and it's never going to work. Um, so it, it, it's it's interesting. You can go after, you don't have to do all three pillars that, that we talk about in the firm. And in fact, we didn't do all three pillars for most of the, the history of the firm. We added the capture pillar only for the really large contract that we went after. Everything else up until then, so three years ago, was almost all organic or organic light, you know, where we it, it sort of had at least a component of organic to it. And then the emerging stuff, we only did when we built up our proposal shop to be able to do it. If not, you're right, it's completely demoralizing and it's completely useless and you're just wasting resources. So you know, it's, it's, I I would, if I were you at this point, focus, you've got an opportunity with this 8A that is a remarkable opportunity to leverage yourself into new markets with, with your current kind of products or service offerings. So getting yourself into new agencies, new customers, or taking what you've done with relationships that you have with current customers and leveraging into slightly new service offerings, right? So for CISA, if you're doing acquisition support for CISA, leaving aside the potential OCI issues for a second, if you're doing acquisition support for CISA, for example, and you'd also do logistics, you can go into logistics for them, or you can really start talking about Uh, financial management for them, even though you've never done it before because they trust you and they know you and they can leverage that to to kind of build out some of your service offerings. So the 8A really helps you build where your footprint is, both in terms of service offerings, but still keeping core and still being able to prove that you can do it with customers who trust you and know you or taking the service offerings you already have and leveraging that into new customer markets. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm really, really appreciative of you. I don't know how 
often you do this, but I can't tell you how much it means to me to be able to talk with you and get really solid advice and actionable steps. Yeah, okay. I appreciate your time. Looking forward to talking to you more. Sounds great. Thanks so much. And if there's anything you need, let me know.